Welcome to Living Through the Word, the official podcast of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America. I'm Julian Dobbs, the diocesan bishop, and I'm very pleased that you have joined me today. On this podcast, we have different guests from across the diocese and national and global Anglicanism to discuss topics that matter to you and to us, to your ministry and to life in life today. And today, it's my great pleasure to welcome Bishop Felix C. Orgy, the Bishop of the Diocese of All Nations. Early in his life, Bishop Orgy made a decision to follow and serve Christ as Savior and Lord of his life. The result of this decision as a teenager was a commitment to the call of God on his life to serve Christ as a minister of the gospel of grace. He completed a BA degree with honors at the University of Ife in Nigeria and received a master's degree at the University of Lagos, Nigeria. He has a diploma in Christian studies from Regent College Vancouver in British Columbia and a Master of Divinity from Vancouver School of Theology in Canada. Dr. Orji also earned his doctorate in leadership and evangelism from Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary at Charlotte, North Carolina. In 2005, Bishop Felix became the Associate Rector of St. Francis on the Hill in El Paso, Texas, and rector from 2008 until 2015. In September 2011, he was consecrated bishop by the Anglican Church of Nigeria Anglican Communion to serve in the United States and Canada. Bishop Felix and I were consecrated together at that service in Lagos, Nigeria. Felix and his wife Lillian have four children, Kara, John, Jaden, and Justin. And Bishop, I'm thrilled that you are with us today. Welcome to Living Through the Word. Thank you so much, uh, Bishop Julian Dobbs. It's a pleasure to be with you on this uh, telecast, if I may use that expression. Uh, you've, you've always been a good friend, and uh, I'm, I'm, uh, it is a pleasure and privilege. Uh, well, you. it's great to have you, Bishop. You've been very much a pilgrim with me on the journey, and it's interesting that I've invited Bishop Orgy to join us today uh, for the Bishop's Book Club as we make our way through the Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Um, but before we get to the book, uh, uh, Brother Felix, tell us how you came to follow Jesus and about the Diocese of All Nations. Thank you, Julian. Uh, the, um, I gave my life to Christ uh, towards the end of the 1970s, uh, I think 1979, actually, um, after I finished uh, high school. So I'm, I'm, I'm a lot older than many of you uh, listening to me. Uh, so this is an old story. <laughs> Uh, the, um, it actually began uh, a little bit earlier. The work of God's grace uh, began much, much earlier. Uh, as a Roman Catholic, I wanted to become a priest, a Roman Catholic priest. And in the process, I went to see my Catholic uh, local priest uh, in the village, uh, expressing my intention. And he said to me, uh, okay, well, that's really good. Uh, you know, you have to be celibate. So that's how all of this started. Uh, and I thought, well, I don't want to be celibate uh, because, um, you know, all those lovely looking girls, uh, I'm not going to be able to do this. So I said, where is it in the Bible that I have to be celibate uh, in order to, to become a priest? He said, well, it's in the Bible. Go and read your Bible. Well, I started reading from Genesis. 
And it was in that process that the Lord used his word uh, to open my heart. And I realized I wasn't even a Christian. You know, I was just a professing Christian, like we're going to find uh, in this particular chapter of Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, I taught catechism uh, in church uh, as a teenager, but I wasn't converted. Uh, so uh, reading through the Bible, uh, then became interested in um, attending Bible studies. And it was in that process I gave my life to Christ and then left the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, you know, so, uh, so that's how it happened. Uh, reading the Bible opened my eyes to the truth of my own sinfulness, uh, the need for my repentance, and the reality of salvation alone, uh, through faith in Christ alone. Uh, I didn't quite know that exactly the same way I put it, but that's the, my experience. Thank you for sharing that. It's fascinating to me uh, because Paul writes to the Romans, uh, chapter 10, faith comes from a hearing, and what is heard comes through the word about Christ. And your testimony is in fact that, isn't it? You read the Bible, yes. and God the Holy Spirit touches your heart, and and you come to faith. And this is still yeah. God's way. Um, Paul tells us about it, and it's still God's way today. It's one of the reasons, Bishop, why uh, you and I um, and 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 the listeners need to know, Bishop Felix and I know each other very well, but he and I both have a, a, a desire for people to come to know Jesus. And uh, I know, having experienced Bishop Felix's preaching ministry, that um, he's always wanting to point people to Jesus for that purpose. Tell us about the Diocese of All Nations um, and uh, what it is, where it is, and what your hopes are for the future. Yes, uh, I'm the Diocese and Bishop of the Diocese of All Nations. Uh, it is a diocese that is uh, very multicultural. Um, uh, hopefully this is, uh, uh, this is not an overstatement. I think it's probably the most uh, diverse multicultural diocese in the Anglican Communion. Uh, so well, you we, are we've for got all so the many, nations. There you go. Of all the nations, <laughs> yeah, of all the nations. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Julia has been very helpful to me as well in building this diocese. So, so uh, this is not something that I did alone. Uh, in fact, uh, the Lord did it through us. Uh, so, so he's been supportive. Uh, the diocese, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's. You know, it's in the U.S. and Canada uh, as well. We have parishes in Canada. I'm a Canadian citizen as well as American and Nigerian. Uh, so, so really, my life and the life of my family reflects all nations. And so we love uh, the multicultural dimension of it. But more importantly, uh, our diocese is biblically centered, uh, gospel-centered, Christ-centered. Uh, that is actually what is more important uh, to us. And we are missionary. We continue to be a missionary diocese. Um, and so, um, so everybody is welcome. Uh, those of you in Bishop Julian's diocese, you can come over. I receive Here we you, go. Uh, all of you. <laughs> so, Bishop, um, we're here to talk about Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, the Pilgrim's Progress has been printed, read, translated more than any book other than the Bible. I mean, I just I find that absolutely stunning. Um, millions of Christians have. Um, Cherish John Bunyan's allegorical tale of the journey of Christian on his epic pilgrimage as he leaves his home in the city of destruction and begins a long quest to the celestial city. 
And you and I are going to talk about a particular part of the journey today, but any just introductory thoughts about this whole pilgrim's progress? Yes, uh, the um, it's it's a really rich uh, chapter uh, in, in itself, uh, but the whole book, uh, as some of you know, uh, Pilgrim's Progress uh, was written in 1678. I mean, this is a pretty old book. Uh, that uh, chronicles, as Julian says, uh, the life of um, you know the life of Christian and all his encounters uh, with faithful, faithful and the rest of them. So, uh, so th this book is about uh, the temptations. I mean, you know, the, the problems uh, that we run into in the Christian life as we move from the city of destruction uh, to the city of the celestial city uh, to, to the heavenly. Uh, Jerusalem uh, that God has for us in Christ. And so uh, this book reflects what most of us go through. Uh, you know, uh, we don't go through every single thing written in this book, but we do go through most of them in the Christian and, life. And, and no doubt our listeners have been, um, has seen this as I see every time I read this, I find myself in these characters, uh, yes. as you say, not all of them, but many of them. And think about my own pilgrimage and my own journey. Last week uh, with Bishop Chris Warner, um, we we had that frightening section uh, where Christians dealing with demonic forces and um, it's all very graphic. And Bishop Warner uh, did a great uh, job at helping us understand that. But now Christians um, continuing on his journey and he spots his friend faithful up ahead of him. He rushes to catch up with him, and they continue on the journey. So talk to us a little bit about what stands out for you at this point in Christian's journey. Yes, uh, I want to uh, look at the uh, various themes, uh, the various themes coming out of this chapter. Uh, the first one is uh, temptations, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of temptations uh, in this particular chapter. And then the second theme uh, is uh, punishment uh, from Moses, you know, the law. Uh, the law catches up with him uh, along the way on his Christian journey because uh, Moses uh, felt that uh, faithful, uh, especially, uh, you know, was uh, nursing some sinful inclinations in some of his encounters. Uh, so Moses catches up with him. And if you're a Christian, uh, you know how this works. You know, you, you're giving your life to Christ as faithful has, uh, but occasionally uh, the law uh, will jump all over you. Um, for for certain indiscretions, you know, with guilt and all of that. And then after this, uh, you know, punishment from Moses, uh, we see the, the man with scars, you know, his hands and his feet, and that's Jesus uh, coming to the rescue of faithful. Uh, and then after that, faithful runs into false religion, you know, works righteousness uh, religion, uh, what he calls uh, said faith. Uh, in the life of Talkative. Yeah, Talkative is uh, a great to... character. <laughs> yeah, Talkative is a great character, and some of us have been there before. <laughs> and then uh, finishes with um, an exposition of, um, you know, the manifestation of saving grace, uh, you know, what it looks like in the life of a believer, in his heart and in his daily life. Uh, and, of course, uh, the last thing there that uh, we see is a Christian, uh, saying a few things about uh, what I call landing the plane uh, yes. in evangelistic work. Yeah. Uh, and those of us who are reformed uh, really need to pay attention to that. So, oh, great. So that's, I look that's forward to getting to that. So you've talked about some weighty themes, a temptation, a punishment, 
um, some engagement with this the, the man with scars, the whole how much do I have to do to get right with God theme, saving grace and uh, landing the plane and moving forward. We better get going, brother. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk us through some okay. of those things. What first comes up with in the thoughts of temptation when you think about that in this chapter? And and what what insights do you give? Can you give to to anyone who's listening? You know, so let, let me quickly go through that. Uh, mm. The very first thing that we find here uh, is uh, the conversation about pliable. Uh, pliable came along with Christian, and eventually uh, in the slough of the spawn, I think in America we, we pronounce it as slew. Uh, so in the slew or slough of the spawn, uh, pliable eventually goes back uh, to the city of destruction. Mm -hmm. uh, because of uh, discouragement. Uh, so, so, so we get discouraged uh, in this law of the spawned, um, you know, in this faith. And so we do need persistence and courage and hopefulness uh, in our work for Christ. So that's the first uh, temptation, the temptation to go back because of, uh, you know, despondency and all of that. And of course, um, uh, you know, Christian uh, catches up with faithful, and, uh, you know, passes him. I was very excited about it. And then he stumbled. Uh, he fell. You know, and so so once again, we see the, the temptation to pride of accomplishment in the Christian life. And, mm -hmm. and you know, and the reality of stumbling. Uh, but thanks be to God, his friend, faithful, uh, jumps to his rescue, helps him get up. Um, you know, and so we learn a lot from them when our brothers and sisters fall. Uh, and they will fall, and we ourselves will fall occasionally uh, because of pride. We think we've arrived, uh, and nobody actually arrives anywhere without Jesus. <laughs> you know, so we do need to help one another up and all of that. And then we get into the big temptations. Um, you know, at the wicked gate, uh, you have Mrs. Wanton, you know, faithful, uh, runs into Mrs. Wanton, uh, who is, uh, you know, who is very... Uh, you know, very knowledgeable, very attractive, uh, very complimentary, uh, wants faithful to turn aside, aside and uh, send with her uh, sexual temptation uh, that all of us run into in the Christian life. And, and the, the, the very interesting thing about this was uh, uh, Mrs. Wanton uh, says to Christian, uh, sorry, says to faithful, you know, even if we commit this sin, um, you know, there is, um, you're going to get some contentment. And of course, God is going to forgive you. I mean, you, you, you run into antinomianism right there. You know, the Lord is going to forgive you. Uh, she has uh, Bible promises for him. <laughs> uh, but uh, eventually, uh, faithful refuses to succumb uh, to that. So, so, so that is sexual lust. Uh, and the next person, uh, the next temptation is Adam, the first. Uh, this is uh, at the foot of the hill of difficulty. Uh, so he runs to, into Adam the first. Uh, we talk about uh, the second Adam, that is Jesus. Uh, but the first Adam uh, who lives in the town of deceit. So, so, so these things are very, very I mean, they're very real, aren't they? I mean, all those names that you're mentioning out of this chapter are just so real in so many of our lives today. Um, yes. uh, and we see we see ourselves working up. But please carry on. Yeah. Yeah, so so he meets the first Adam, uh, who you know asks him to stay back with him. You know he pleads with him, stay back with me. 
Yeah. And the job you're going to do is hoarding and enjoying worldly pleasures. Uh, and he's going to give him wages. And what are the wages? Everything that Adam the first has. I mean, just, just it reminds you of the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness. Uh, and so everything. And then uh, he Adam the first introduces his three daughters uh, named Lost of the Eyes, Lost of the Flesh, and the Pride of Life. And says, you can have either of them or all of them. Mm. You know, and... Um, and, and with the wages that you receive for working with me, uh, with Adam the first, uh, you can even use some of the money to help the pilgrims as they go to the celestial city. But you you, you don't go yourself. I mean, so that's a, that's an attempt, is it not, to to buy salvation, right? You can exactly. use the, the money that I'll give you to buy. To I mean, it's it's so dangerous, isn't it? But we see that, and we've got to think of when Bunyan's writing. Um, and thinking of all the heresies that are going on in his day about indulgences and paying our way out of out of um, uh, purgatory uh, and assuring that we can get to heaven by by paying money, and that's that's knocked on the head here, right? It is, it is absolutely. You know, so uh, so so he's going to buy his own salvation, help others to buy their salvation, but he's going to remain <laughs> in the town of deceit. Uh, where he's going to be deceived himself and uh, probably helping the deception of others uh, because of worldliness. Uh, but then, you know, God opened his eyes and he saw on the face of Adam the first uh, this quotation, put off the old man with his deeds. <laughs> and that was it. Uh, here again, as uh, Julian, you said at the beginning, you know, the word of God is very important. Uh, put off the old man, and here is the old man, Adam the first. And so he put him off <laughs> and then carried on with his journey. But in that process, uh, he was, um, you know, he, he he got a little bit interested in the temptations. Mm. So Moses catches up with him, <laughs> you know, the law, uh, yes. the pangs of conscience, uh, you know, catch up with him. And Moses beat him up, uh, knocked him out. Until the man with scars in his hands and feet, uh, that represents Jesus, comes and rescues him from the guilt. And once again, uh, this is a great lesson. Uh, as Christians, we're going to uh, sin, you know, in the heart, uh, in the mind, or in, in action, uh, that we feel guilt as we should, uh, but we have to continually look at Jesus. Uh, you have to preach the gospel to yourself every single day. Uh, and I think that is, you know, perfection isn't possible in the present. Uh, so, so we, you know, but we need the gospel. We need Jesus. Yeah. And and that's a reoccurring theme here in this whole book is there, there are always these uh, advances and setbacks and advances yes. and um, how might we say it in Pilgrim's Progress, um, deviations from the way. But and and you've referenced temptations. Let me read this portion here from the chapter we're discussing. Temptations to a pilgrim given, if he's obeyed the call from heaven, from every side attack his flesh. They come, and then come back afresh, that they mm. may overcome the man and quite destroy him if they can. So, pilgrim, guard against the wrong. And in the mighty God, be strong. Isn't that great? <laughs> Amen. Amen. 
Oh, we need to be singing those sorts of hymns today, right? And so um, Christians on the journey, as you say, all these things going on, uh, voices coming in, um, uh, people going back, turning their way back, but he comes face to face with the man of scars who we know is Jesus. Uh, And what happens then? Yeah, so, um, but but, you know, it's very interesting. Something that is crucial comes up here. Uh, You know, the... Uh, so after the man of scars, uh, you know, rescues him uh, from the guilt of conscience uh, that he deserves, uh, you know, Christian asks him, did you stop by on the palace beautiful, you know, that big house uh, on top of the hill uh, before Moses uh, caught up with you? He said, no. He said, well, you should have stopped to get refreshment. Mm. Uh, you know, we we do need that rest, that mm-hmm. refreshment, those times of rest in the Christian life. Uh, you know, instead of go 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 go, uh, there is that palace beautiful that God has designed uh, for us on the way to the celestial city. And where do you sense um, we find that today as Christians? What would be our palace beautiful? Is it worship? Yes. You tell us. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a combination of things. But first and foremost, the 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 worship of 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 the living God. You know, mm. spending time with God in prayer, uh, and spending time with our brothers and sisters. Uh, we need one another. I mean, uh, Bishop Julian, you know, uh, in our in our travels, uh, you and I have gone through stuff as bishops. Uh, you know, I've called you and you prayed for me. You've called me and you, you know, I prayed for you. Yes. Uh, we've encouraged one another. We need that. We can't do this on our own. So we. Uh, we need that fellowship with God in worship and prayer in His Word, but we need fellowship with our brothers and sisters. We need to call out. That is the palace beautiful that the Lord has uh, set out there for us to refresh us. Yeah. So, and I think is for Anglicans and and many other Christians, this is where the sacraments play a really significant part for us. Think about think about what um, uh, the words of institution when we receive the body and blood of Christ, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is given for you, preserve your body and soul unto everlasting so, life. Take and eat yes. this in remembrance that Christ died for you. And what? Feed on him in your heart. Um, be restored by yes. faith with thanksgiving. It's beautiful. And then we continue uh, in the value of humiliation, or value of humility, he runs into another temptation, you know, and uh, this is uh, discontent. Uh, his name is Discontent, uh, who tries to persuade him to go back to the city of destruction, uh, because uh, you know, you know, he says, "Don't go through this valley of humiliation. It is void of honor. It is void of self-confidence. You know, there is no respect for you. You know, and you're going to lose your relationship with your your family and, and your part of your flesh. Uh, who is Mister Pride, Mister Arrogancy, Mister Egotist, Mister Worldly Glory?" Uh, you know, you're going to lose all these uh, people who are part of your life. Uh, so, uh, you know, don't go through this valley. Uh, but uh, uh, Faithful uh, disagrees and continues uh, with his journey uh, because he says, I need to go through this valley of humility. Uh, I need to go through this valley of humiliation because it provides uh, the necessary discipline uh, that we need as pilgrims. Uh, and so once again, um, you know, we we need to grow in our humility, and discontent will try to stop us, you know, uh, from doing that. 
Uh, and if, if we're really going to get to the celestial city, we can't avoid this. Uh, it is necessary. It is good for us. Uh, we need to be humiliated every now and then so that we can grow. Uh, it's, <laughs> um, uh, it does happen. Uh, so that we can lose the self-glory and the pride and arrogance that is embedded in our fallen nature uh, that uh, hinders the work of grace uh, in our lives. And you see, you know, as bishops, we have to work on this, you know, primates and archbishops uh, who are egotists, uh, clergy who are egotists uh, and full of arrogance. Uh, these things get in the way of the Christian life. I mean, as a bishop, I've seen a lot of that, even within the churches, uh, lay leaders, uh, egotism gets in the way. So uh, we do need to shed those things on this journey so that we can be effective uh, in promoting God's kingdom. Bishop Felix and I are recording uh, this particular episode of the Bishop's Book Club um, in Advent, and it reminds me, Bishop Felix, of what you've just said, of the, the beauty of the penitential nature of Advent. Um, as we yes. focus on um, particularly in these later weeks of Advent, the return of our Lord and the inclining of our hearts towards being ready for Christ to come again. And what is the message? The message um, uh, in, in the gospel reading uh, last week uh, in our uh, Book of Common Prayer 2019 lecture, lectionary, one of the gospels reminded us of the ministry of John the Baptist, who making straight the paths of the Lord in our lives um, denying ourselves, taking up our cross, following our Christ, uh, following Christ, because behold, the, here comes the Lamb of God, and uh, you're saying that here. It's a continual, and it's a continual process, isn't it? This, this humbling ourselves before God, taking up our cross, denying ourselves, um, yes. uh, making sure Jesus matters more than we matter. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we we do need that, as Martin Luther says, you know. Uh, the Christian life is a life of continual repentance. Uh, we we have to keep. Repenting oh, how we every day. thank God for that because uh, you know in North America we might be tempted just to throw money at sin to get right with God um, because that seems to be so easy. But you just can't do that. It, it, there's no. not one rule for one and one rule for another. There's an invitation from Jesus uh, to come yes. to Him, all you who are weak and heavy laden. And uh, he restores that relationship with the Father. It's so beautiful. Uh, and you've, you've, you've taken us there today in this book, and I'm grateful. What else do we need to look at here? All right. Uh, so I'll look at two more things uh, here. Um, uh, still uh, in that valley, uh, the valley of humility, he runs into shame, Mr. Shame. Mr. Shame. All right. So yes. he's just, uh, yeah, Mr. Shame. Uh, it's a very funny name because the man is really not Mr. Shame. He's not ashamed of himself. Uh, he's, he's ashamed. You know, he wants to shame uh, Christians. He wants to shame faithful. Uh, he shames everybody on the pagan way uh, because uh, for, for him, uh, faithful and Christian and anybody on the Christian way uh, is living a pitiful you know, life. Uh, you know, the whole idea of surrendering your will, uh, mm. surrendering your life to become a servant of God, you know, having a tender conscience uh, was unmanly weakness. You know, watching out for your words and attitudes and conduct and following rules was ridiculous uh, and destroying of personal freedom. You know, and so, so Mr. Shem's role is to shame the Christian. Uh, and you know what? Uh, we've gone through that. I remember as yeah. a young Christian, 
uh, after giving my life to Christ, you know, one of my former girlfriends uh, started telling them, says, you know, oh, you know, Felix has become weak, you know, he's not stupid, you know. Uh, so, so the world will always try to shame us for our faithfulness. Uh, so, um, and it still it, happens you know, it today. Like and, and the enemy uses shame in so many ways. And, and Bishop Felix, you've done a lot of research in this area, but it's one of the reasons that many people suggest we have a crisis of identity in our in our uh, culture and in our um, in our society today, because um, because of the the growth in the the matters and the means to shame people. Yes. A lot of it going on in our culture today, actually, a lot of shaming, mm. uh, you know. So, so, and I think this is a good place to plug in the gospel. Uh, no matter what you have done, uh, if if you're if you're listening to Bishop uh, Dobbs' uh, broadcast, uh, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. Uh, even if you deserve to be shamed, uh, here is the truth. You know, Jesus died for you mm. uh, to take away your sin and the shame and all of that. Uh, even as a believer, um, when you fall and you feel ashamed, uh, the cross is still there for you. Hallelujah. You know, <laughs> yeah. So he took. And we're actually shame. going to come to that. I don't want to jump ahead too far, but we're going to come to that at the end of this chapter, right? Because um, uh, you've got something to read. But just keep. There's a couple more things here you want to pick up, so just pick those up for us. Okay. And so finally, here, um, uh, faithful and Christian run into talkative. Uh, <laughs> this guy is the star. He's the star of the show. <laughs> so they run into talkative. Uh, and talkative uh, is uh, from, you know, his father is the son of, I mean, he is the son of Sewell from Pratin Row. You know, Pratin Row. Uh, Pratin means talking foolishly. And uh, he's known as the talkative of Pratin Row. I mean, <laughs> this is all loaded. But essentially, uh, talkative is a man for all people, a man for all seasons, you know, highly adaptable. He's a chameleon, uh, changing color uh, to fit his environment. His religion is not pure religion. Uh, he's insincere. It's only, you know, a religion of talk, uh, said faith. It reminds me of Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 uh, to 27. Uh, this man, his life and his home uh, void of repentance, void of Christian faith, but he was very good. He was very good at talking about the truth. I mean, he. I mean, just listening to the guy, you know, he said a lot about the truth. Uh, but um, you know, as the Bible says, pure religion and undefiled before God the Father is this: to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Uh, James chapter one verse twenty-seven. So. Uh, but then this interesting conversation is going on. He's saying all the right things, um, you know, with a sort of right attitude until Christian says to faithful, um, here, here is what you need to ask him. Okay, so now soul work begins. Mm. Uh, uh, this is soul work that we need in our pastoral ministry, that we need in our evangelism work. So, so he asks him this question. How does saving grace manifest itself in the heart and the life of man? Mm -hmm. how, how, how do, you've been talking about saving faith. You've been talking about all of this stuff. Uh, well, how does saving grace manifest itself in the heart of the life of man? Uh, uh, you know, in the heart and the life of man. 
Well, talkative gives two answers. Number one, uh, saving faith is manifested in crying out against sin. That's the first thing. And secondly, in um, you know having extensive knowledge uh, of the gospel. <laughs> so know, there we go again. You, you, that... I don't know how many times you've raised that in, in our conversation. Know the Bible. Know the truth. It will set you free. Share the gospel. Proclaim the message. Exactly. You know, so so uh, there's nothing wrong with what he said, but it doesn't answer the question. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and this is a thing we have to be careful about, and we find this a lot in the church and sometimes in our own lives. As a Roman Catholic, I, I knew that, you know, I spoke against sin, you know, I tried to understand the gospel and explain it in catechism classes that I taught. So, uh, so Faithful says to him, well, uh, crying out against sin is not enough. Anybody can do that. You have to abhor sin. Abhor. Uh, if God's grace, yes, if God's grace in your, is in your life, you have to abhor sin. And secondly, uh, you do have to uh, not only have an extensive knowledge uh, of the gospel, you actually have to have the gospel in your life, in your heart, uh, and it's going to show uh, in your faithful and obedient heart. So, uh, Julian, this is where I uh, would like your permission to read. Um, yes, go ahead, because, please. Yeah, so as we come to the end of this, the um, so, so now what Faithful does is to give an expose of, you know, or an exposition on how saving grace manifests in the heart and daily life of a believer. Uh, so, so let me read. It's a, it's a, it's a few, a couple of paragraphs. First, he says, a work of grace in the soul manifests itself in the heart. And how does it happen that way? It brings a conviction of sin, especially the sin of unbelief, and reveals the defilement of one's nature, for which one feels sure he will be eternally condemned unless he finds the mercy of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This conviction and outlook works in him a deep sorrow and shame for sin. Then, through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, it is revealed to him the Lamb of God, who is the perfect sacrifice for sin, the Savior of the world, and the necessity of accepting him at once as the only way of salvation. This creates in him a hunger and thirst for righteousness, which leads him to repent and believe on Christ for forgiveness and salvation. Now, the depth of his joy and peace, his love and holiness, his increase in knowledge and service to Christ are determined by the amount and strength of his faith. And one's faith will grow with use as he overcomes doubt and fear, self-condemnation, confusion, misunderstanding of inner experiences, and one's selfish, carnal, distorted reason, judgment, and imagination. All this is irrefutable evidence to oneself that he has the grace of God. Mm. So, so that is the first way. You want to comment before I go to the second way the grace manifests? I just think that's so powerful, isn't it? All this is irrefutable evidence to oneself that he has the grace of God. So yes. um, I want to encourage people to, to really lean into what Bishop Felix is saying here, to deepen faith, um, to, to receive God's grace, 
um, an extra endowment of God's grace as we as we consider. Um, alongside all of those other things we've talked about, Bishop Felix, the only way we're going to be sustained through this is by the grace of God, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Take us to the so, next one. So, yeah. So, so that is how the, the grace of God manifests to you in your own heart, to your own self. Well, how does this grace manifest to others? Uh, and so faithful uh, says it manifests in two ways. First, by an open confession of faith in Christ and being baptized in his name and uniting with others who believe in him. So, so you have confession of your faith, public confession, baptism, and uniting with others in the church. And then he says, secondly, transforming grace manifests itself by a life lived in harmony with his teaching, that is the teaching of Christ. That it, for example, praying daily for guidance and strength, earnestly studying God's word to learn and to do his will. So to do his will is important. Witnessing to others of his saving grace and giving of his time and money for service to Christ and others. By this, his family and neighbors will know that he loves God and humanity, not in word only, but in deed and in truth. A hypocrite can talk of these things, but to have them and do them, one must be a child of God. Now, this is but a brief description of the work of grace and how it is manifested to men. Uh, end of quote. So I was putting John Bunyan. So, uh, so these two things are important that Talkative did not have. Uh, talkative mm -hmm. talked up a storm about the gospel, uh, talked up a storm about sin, but he never did it. In fact, he was, um, uh, he was a problem in his community. He was a bad example in his community. Uh, he, he led many people astray. Um, yeah, because of the way he lived his so-called Christian life. So he was self-deceived uh, and uh, he was a bad example and caused many to stumble uh, because of his hypocritical faith. Uh, and then, you know, Christian said to uh, Faithful, uh, now you do need to land the plane. Okay, so this is my final comment. Uh, and this tell is us about that. So as we close, tell us about landing the plane, because I know you wanted to get to this. <laughs> Yes, I, I do need to land this plane. Um, uh, and I remember this because uh, when I was uh, associate rector at St. John Shaughnessy, after preaching a sermon, uh, you know, uh, what we used to do, David Short, Canon uh, David Short, who, who, was, who, is, who was the rector, still the rector, you know, would discuss your sermon when you finish preaching the next day uh, at staff meeting. And he said, you know, I said, brother, your sermon was good, but you did not land the plane. You know, so I've never forgotten that comment. Said it was a very good summer, it was biblical, but you never landed it. <laughs> you know, and then he explained. And so uh, here is how you land this plane. At some point, you have to get into the soul, you know, soul work. And so the, the question that Faithful asked, you know, the second question that he asked them talkative was this Have you experienced this grace in your heart? And does your daily conduct demonstrate it to others? So, you know, so he gave the exposition and then he lands the plane. Is this true in your life? And is, 
you know, do, can other people see it in your life? And of course, at that moment, talkative gets really angry and stormed off. And then, uh, uh, then here is how what Christian then says, quote, you did right to talk plainly to him. There is not enough of this faithful dealing with souls these days. And lack of that causes the people to undervalue the Christian faith. Then when these talkative frauds, whose religion is only in word, and who are debauched in their living and vain in their conversation, are admitted into the fellowship of Christians with the hope that they may be converted or contribute money. The people of the world are puzzled, the sincere are grieved, and Christianity is blemished. I wish that all Christians would deal with such as would deal with such as you have done. Then they would either be truly converted or they will show their colors and leave the congregation of the saved. End of quote. So Julian, I've landed the plane. So, <laughs> so brother, you've spoken to us incredibly today about this chapter, the grace of God in the midst of difficulty, not getting sidetracked by those who come in, the the um the need to have faith. Um, and also to live out our lives uh, with with works that that speak truth to the faith that we have. Um, yes. And then you've you've talked to us a little bit again about those two expressions of grace uh, that we read here. So, so very powerful for us. It's also so very liberating. My guest has been Bishop Felix Orgy from the Diocese of All Nations. Bishop, would you pray for us just before we conclude? Thank, thank you so much, Julian. Uh, let us pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for this opportunity. I'm privileged to uh, talk uh, with my brother Bishop uh, about your grace in the midst of our temptations, uh, in the midst of the difficulties that we run into in the Christian life. Uh, Lord, we pray for ourselves. We pray for everyone listening and everyone that will listen uh, in the future to these uh, uh, broadcasts that um, uh, if they're not believers, Lord, we pray uh, that you open their hearts, you open their minds and give them the grace uh, to, to repent and follow you, believe in Christ as the Lord and Savior of their lives. And for those of us who are Christians, Lord, help us uh, in this journey. Uh, Lord, we cannot do it of ourselves. Uh, help us not to depend uh, you know, on ourselves, depend on our abilities, uh, but to depend upon you, to lean uh, in you, on you, to lean on your grace, to continue to believe uh, in you as we encounter these uh, temptations. Uh, Father, help us to continue to believe the gospel, uh, help us to continue to trust in your grace and to look up to you uh, as we journey. And Father, we look forward to that day when we shall meet you face to face uh, because of your love and because of the sacrifice and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. We are very grateful for your love for us. And we thank you for saving us. Thank you for sustaining us. And thank you for bringing us home in the end. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Next week, we'll have uh, Bishop Mark Engel of the Diocese of the Great Lakes talking to us as we continue this series of the Bishop's Book Club through John Bunyan's Pilman's Progress. This is Living Through the Word, and I'm Julian Dobbs. I commend you to God and the word of his grace.
which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified.